You're listening to The Quest for the Best is from Backlog Banter. We're on a side quest right now, trying to figure out which of the 10 2022 Best Picture nominees should take home the big award. Your hosts are Timo Nelson, Tucker Hazel, Tanner Dykstra, and Abram Buner. The Quest for the Bestest begins in just a moment. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Quest for the Bestest. We're on our side quest right now to take a look at all the Best Picture nominees from 2021, the 2021 films for the 2022 Oscars. My name is Timo. Today I'm joined, of course, by Abram and Tucker and one special Mr. Reporter guest, Tanner, over there in the corner. He's a uh, round of applause for Tanner Dykstra. So glad we could have you. you here. Thank you. Thank you. Golf clap. Applause is not needed, but is much appreciated. There you go. Thank you. Thank you, Tanner. Thank you for, for, for lightening the, uh, the visuals of this mm. podcast on this day. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. on this day, we are going to talk about Belfast for, uh, you know, from last year, directed by Kenneth Branagh, one of multiple movies that he put out this year. But this is the one that ended up in the Oscar contention. So what do we think? <laughs> do we want to give a little little plot synopsis before we dive in i think though before we even do any of that i wanted to talk about what we talked about last time because sure we we, we probably should go over that that little eensy weensy bit of housekeeping if you caught last episode you'd know we were talking about coda the film from apple tv that then ended up at our number one spot on the list with an average score of 9.0 Three of us were pretty closely knit in our score, and one of us, a well, little Abram, there was a little, a little off, off in a, on, a, on <laughs> yeah. another direction, but a little off base. Yeah, a little off I, base. I, I only really liked the movie. Yeah, so. he only, yeah, he <laughs> yeah, didn't, yeah, exactly. he didn't think it was a, it was a, a masterpiece, but a, a cardinal sin. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, Abram, step it, get in the line. You got to, you got to mm. toe the right line. If you want to know what we all really thought about the film, though, go watch the review. It's pretty interesting. Pretty great film, as it's at number one right now, but. Where will Belfast end up? Is that gonna scratch the top? Is it gonna go up at the in the middle, or will it go at the bottom? I don't know. I think we gotta figure have to figure out what this film is all about before we do that, though. So someone oh, yeah. wanna someone wanna take that off? Oh sure, I'll take it. <clears throat> Belfast takes us back to the ye old days of uh, I think it's August 1969 in sure. Belfast, Northern Ireland, and we're following a little lad named Kenneth Branagh. I mean, Buddy. His name's Buddy. It's not. It, uh, well, it's not, it's not a secret. This movie is based off of Kenneth Branagh's childhood growing up in Belfast as the 1969 Belfast riots were going up or were going on. Um, you know, there is some animosity between Catholics and Protestants. But we have our main character, Buddy, a young boy uh, whose parents are really concerned about, oh, are we should we stay in Belfast with our family and our community or should we move out? It's safer for our children that way. And the movie is really uh, a series of uh, childhood antics that are sort of backgrounded by uh, these uh, the, these riots that are happening that oftentimes come to fruition in some several key scenes. But uh, by and large, this is like a coming-of-age movie with a, if I may color this with a bit of opinion, a very charming uh, child lead in the, in, in the spotlight. And uh, yeah, can I just roll right into my thoughts on Belfast? I don't see no, why I want, not. I want, I want Abram to roll into his thoughts. Oh, oh okay. Well. Well, I'm going to steal it from Abram. I'm going to go. <laughs> He's going to oh, override. Override. Yeah, hijacking my hijack. Oh, yeah, yeah, precisely. Um, I think Belfast is really, really quite good. Uh, we saw this back in theaters in, in November, I believe, is when it came out in theaters. Like and um, I, I, I was like, this is a really fun, good time of a movie. And it looks really great. And all the characters and all the a- all the characters are super interesting. All the actors are doing great work. And uh, I'm like, and, and going into this watch for a quest, I was like, I have a I have an inkling feeling I'm gonna like it less, mostly because there's a lot of negative animosity towards this towards this film online that I've seen. People complaining about the cinematography, the earnestness of it all, yada yada yada. Um, and I think there's there is some issues people take with the politics, which I myself am not informed on. Um, but nonetheless, um, I liked it equally as much this this time. As I said, I think uh, our main actor Jude Hill uh, as Buddy is really, really charismatic. Uh, when you get Jared, uh, Jamie Dornan, and Ket- Katrina Belf, I believe is how you say her name. Yeah, um, they're both fantastic. Uh, Kenneth Branagh behind the camera is obviously ha- handling this movie with a lot of care, as this is based on his childhood. He wrote the movie, obviously. Um, I cannot pronounce the name of the cinematographer, but he did a fantastic job because this movie just consistently has 
super interesting and engaging shots in cinematography. But I want to hear what you all think. Wow, so generous of you. Thank you yes. very much. Oh, thank <laughs> you for yeah. ceding us your uh, our mm -hmm. opinion. I think it's only right that Abram gets to go next, given that he was Fair robbed. Enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Abram was robbed. Get, let's get a I, vote down in the comments to how robbed Abram was. Yeah. <laughs> yes, like this video in solidarity with me, but leave a comment and give us more engagement. Goose the numbers. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah, I watched Belfast. I liked it. I, here's here's the thing. Here's the thing about it. Um, I think the movie is is as Tanner was saying, very interesting visually, and I think that carries it in a lot of respects. I think that's sort of just the the feel. I'm a huge Van Morrison fan, by the way. My parents nice. always play Van Morrison around the house, so that was awesome. I love the soundtrack. Um, I, I I really love the film visually. I think it's very witty. I think it's very charming. But I don't know if I'm just stupid, but I didn't really get it, I guess. Like, mm. I like I understand it's a coming-of-age narrative. I understand the political backdrop, but I'm not sure. I Frankly, I don't really know why it didn't connect to me super strongly. Mm. I don't know if it's because it feels aimless, intentionally so, but it feels kind of aimless in the way that we're kind of bouncing between vignettes and characters and things. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I liked it. I appreciate the style, and I think the style is what carried me through it. I think it's a, the perfect length. But it just didn't do a whole lot for me. I, I felt very neutral towards Belfast when the film ended. Hmm. Okay, Tucker? Yeah, this this film is very good. Um, I, I think that it is one that I totally understand being in all these categories, a lot of technical stuff. The the personal story behind Kenneth Branagh writing this and directing this is, is pretty unique um, for big-name directors like him to just delve into a very personal project. And you can certainly feel that. I think that this has a, a, a handcrafted value that you don't really... I mean, he also did a Death in the Nile, which has just come out, which I think Timo could probably attest to, has less of a handcrafted feel and feels like, all right, we got to pick and choose elements that people are going to recognize on screen and cheer for. But this doesn't really follow any established movie paths. And, fr and frankly, I think maybe the reason that this didn't connect with you, Abram, and to some extent, I'm, I'm feeling that as well, even though I think I liked it a little more than you, is this film does is very aimless and not all of its points tied together succinctly. It's got a lot of ideas in the background. Um, um, different conflicts between people and groups exist, but aren't resolved necessarily. And whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing, we can obviously discuss here. But it does contribute to this feeling very different. And I think it's not incredibly strong because of that but everything else it does i think is unique enough for me to be like i really enjoy this movie for what it is for trying something different for being so gorgeous and well crafted and well acted and very charming it's a very special movie but i don't think it's like best of the best yeah i think for me that this film kind of boils down to this central thematic idea of what is it what does it look like to be a child in the midst of all of this trouble like yeah that what is what, and so it, for me when i recognize what that is what's going on with that i'm like using that to guide me through my interpretation of the film and so every time that's something kind of strange or there's there's lots of comedic moments and the film feel doesn't feel super dark to me which i appreciate and to me that's emblematic of it being through this child's eyes and what is it like yeah. to you know just be a kid and just be growing up even when these very like not <laughs> you know, not like kid friendly events are going on. People are like being killed and yeah. the neighbors are turning against each other in this situation. And so for me, I thought that 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 was probably my favorite part of the film um, and kind of allows me to just like deflect all criticism that it should be about anything else. I'm very happy with what the film is about and how it's pretty singularly focused on what Buddy's experience of this event is. And I'm glad about that. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think the focus on Buddy is what this movie does best, and it mm -hmm. is what it does for, like, 80% of its runtime. There's a good yeah. amount of, of intercut stories of just the parents talking or just the grandparents talking. But it's always just just barely enough to yeah, give it, you what you like, need, and then you're back to Buddy. It's like half a scene length's worth of, of yeah. a conversation, and then you're back to Buddy's perspective. It always shows him in the background taking things in, and I think focusing it through his eyes gives even, like, this dark backstory, kind of a, a childlike wonder, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that come that becomes evident when um, Jamie Dornan and Katrina Balfe are named Ma and Pa in the film. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think the same thing goes for uh, his grandparents, Judy Dench and, and Pop. 
great yeah uh judy dench and sharon hines i believe is how you pronounce it um but yeah if we want to talk about jude hill as buddy as our main character and his characterization i think he's fantastic um you guys you guys talked about how i think tucker said how the it, how it provides a sort of uh a lighter childhood sort of sheen on these very dark events i think that's interesting to think about when uh J jude hill as buddy isn't exactly He's childish, but in a way that has childlike wonder. Uh, it, but in a lot of other scenes, he is, you know, he's carrying himself and he's carrying on conversations very adult-like. You know, he's mm -hmm. he's thrown he's thrown witty little jokes in there, and whether or not he recognizes they are because he's a kid, I think I think it stands as you know a, a bit of fleshing him out and making him seem a bit more uh, wise and to be on his years in, in in some ways. But I think the movie also does a great job of reminding you. Um, that he is a child in a lot of ways. Whenever you know he's sort of um, there, in scenes where he, you know, it's as simple a thing as uh, like him not understanding a concept of something, or like uh, him, he, like the whole the whole thing at the beginning with him trying to like decipher Catholicism versus Protestantism, and like what road should we take? He's very you know very clearly confused as a child might be when confronted with these concepts for the first time, or. Uh, which I, what I think is a very strong scene when his parents at Christmas sort of um, confront him with the possibility of moving out of Belfast. And he throws a temper tantrum and he acts very differently from how we see him act in the rest of the film. I think it's really interesting that the film sort of saves those moments and gives you um, Jude Hill's regular performance for most of the film as well. I think the whole yeah. the whole basis of, of his character is the performance and just how convincing mm -hmm. it is that he is this realistic little boy, you know, he's like a 10 or 11 or whatever. And just like seeing through his eyes and seeing his facial expressions in different scenes and the, just the way he reacts to some things and the way which he doesn't react to some things, you mm -hmm. know, he's like going through the checkpoint, just like, Hey, what up? You know, what up, Mr. West? Mm -hmm. I'll see you later. Like mm -hmm. that way that like, just like was to me very affecting in his performance where mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, this, this is really driving home the point that, of of how he is reacting to this situation in a way that I don't know. It feels like it. It feels right for a child to kind of be acting yeah. like that. At least the film supports that thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I I think I think that Jude Hill is is very good. Um, but I'm not sure for me that it's his performance that sells the the film as much as it is the script. And I, I mm -hmm. think the script is probably the strongest element of Belfast in my opinion. I think that the ways that it is able to bounce between these tones is a reflection of really good writing. Sure. Because I love the the little the little aphorisms of what's you know like what's mine is yours and what's mine is mine alone and things <laughs> like that. They they do a great job of on a dime fl flipping between super serious conversations about you know about pause back taxes and we're throwing the dishes and and we, we, you know buddies sneaking around and he sees that happening but then we're making jokes and the families together it, it it manages to like weave like nostalgia into like political horror and these social tensions really well Belfast is a horror movie that's what yeah. I've been saying <laughs> but but yeah. I think actually between the script and the camera work it does can communicate that really well like I think the scene at the at, as we begin the film and the riots break out first, and the camera is panning around mm -hmm. Buddy, and mm -hmm. the world is falling on itself. I think that between the script and the camera, they do a lot of heavy lifting to the point where you could have had you could have had the terrible child actor from Mrs. Miniver play Buddy. <laughs> and I, probably, I probably wouldn't have cared because there was a really strong creative direction here that whoever mm -hmm. was in front of the camera was going to be in a very good position to begin with. I think it's yeah. so clear that when we're looking at Buddy, we are seeing the world through his eyes, through the way mm -hmm. that the camera shoots around him, like those scenes that you were talking about, Abram, where mm -hmm. we visually get to see what's going on internally within him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially also because of how he how he's framed in the film of almost always with sequences that he's in, which is the vast majority of them, focusing on his face. And I think the reason I disagree to a certain extent, Abram, I think well, I think the script and the camera work are the strongest parts of this movie, but the reason uh, I, I focus on Jude Hill's performance is uh, so much of his reactions to thing and things and seeing his facial expression change and his mouth hang open and his eyes like <laughs> glimmer in the sure. light of a movie theater, like these are performance moments. Like he has to be given direction of look amazed in this moment, look scared, mm -hmm. look yeah. sad. And he portrays these emotions in a far more genuine way than I'm used to seeing from yeah. actors of his age. Like he's 
He's very young. He's half yeah. our age. And he's I couldn't <laughs> do that. Half. Frankly, I couldn't I couldn't show that Absolutely kind of emotion. Absolutely not. No. Well, like like the shot I was where... an idiot. <laughs> Could I do it right now? Sure. No, I couldn't Great do point. it right now. Probably not. <laughs> but the the shot where he uh graduates up to to second desk mm-hmm. and realizes that uh, that um what's her name uh is now behind him his yeah, his, his crush is behind his him. Crush his crush is now behind him and and you see his like face become crestfallen and you're like why is he so crestfallen like you see the joy mm-hmm. leave his face and there's a real like a, a punchline moment to that thing but it mm-hmm. all comes from this slow motion video of his face which is shot incredibly crisply but you see like the light sparkling off his eyes and his mm. his little uh, unbalanced teeth mm-hmm. smiling at the camera. I think it's mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah, um, no, I'm 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 sitting, but I stand corrected, Tucker, because I think you're completely right. Yeah, and, uh, and also we did, he just lucked that kid fucking lucked out with that gap in his front teeth. Oh yeah, that that is that is perfect. Yeah, for this role. Um, Tucker brought up quite a few things that I, that I want to comment on because there's a lot of elements in this film that I'd like to uh, mention at the very least. Uh. Buddy's uh, sort of um, relationship with film is really interesting and in a through line in the in the movie, uh, obviously because he is based on Kenneth Branagh as a child and Kenneth Branagh being a very famous director, probably watched a lot of films when he was younger. Um, I think it's I think it's really cool. And stage performances. We we get that performance of we get on stage performance of uh, A Christmas Carol with what that which him and his grandmother go to. Uh, but we also get um chitty chitty bang bang mm-hmm. uh whichever that one that is with um the the one that has the lady who's in the poster from shawshank redemption you know what i'm talking about it it's the it's the, the i 60s. believe it's the lost world okay um, the lost world the one with all the where it's like oh it's educational it's about dinosaurs and then it's just yeah, yeah, like yeah, bikini clad line. women and yeah, yeah funny funny and, scene um, but they also watch like star trek at mm-hmm. home and um i believe we get uh, high Noon and mm-hmm. uh, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance yeah, The Man Who Shot Li- Liberty Valance uh, The High Noon thing is really cool I'm going to shout this out a second Because uh, they're watching it on the TV And it's uh, Gary Cooper sort of walking into the sunset At the end as a song plays And then we cut out to the street And it's like the lone guard walking the streets Of yeah, uh, this community that. With the same song going It sort of parallels I just think that's neat um, I think I but, thought to myself while I, I was like, ooh, parallelism. Nice. Yeah. While I watched that shot. Parallelogram. Um, <laughs> I, do have a, I do have a piece of Jude Hill trivia, but if you guys Whoa. wanted to mention, uh, talk about the movie we're, thing a second, we're on the, we we're on the Jude Hill train, or do we want to yeah. do movies? I kind of want to hear this trivia. I'm, I'm in trivia favor. Okay. <clears throat> to capture moments of spontaneity, Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh would often secretly roll cameras on the scenes that Jude Hill thought were mm. just rehearsals. Jude eventually began to suspect this was happening, so the crew taped over the red lights on the camera that signaled it was rolling. Many scenes in the finished film were these quote-unquote rehearsals. Yeah. Poor, oh, cool. poor sound guy have to always be wondering whether or not you're actually taking and whether you actually <laughs> need to be recording or not. Hmm. I suppose if once you realize it's happening, you're like, I'm not never recording. I'm hitting that, that button all the time. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm, yeah. I can see yeah. how that would work really well, though. Mm-hmm. I, I want to talk about the movie thing a little bit more sure. Be, because yeah. I feel like maybe part of my disconnect from the films, I think that it it just does things sometimes to do them. Yeah. I, I, I find the, the, the use of color in the film to be very perplexing. Yeah. Um, I, I, I get th- the escapism of the film and, and the mm-hmm. context of this charged political landscape. That's bleak. At least this is how I was reading it. Yeah. And I think Chitty, Chitty bang, bang becomes yeah. an escape. And, and I get that, but Star Trek is not in color, right? Right. We'll, we'll, we'll cut to a shot of uh, Judy Dench and her glasses and, and the reflection of, of, the, of, the, of the Christmas Carol is in color. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't know if it looks good, and I don't really know why that had to happen. I, I, I feel like there's sequences like this. There's sequences like the big dance number with Ma and Pa, which is fun at the end. But mm-hmm. it, it, it felt like Kenneth Branagh was really just indulging himself sometimes in sure. sequences and creative choices that, to me, didn't really add anything and just put another element into the sort of soup of Belfast. And I'm not sure, sure that really worked for me. I, I think you're right. I, I, and I think that's kind of what I was trying to get at the beginning of there are a lot of ideas in this film, but this film, but almost none of them tie in to like the end of the film and the completion quote unquote of the character arcs because most characters in this film don't get an actual arc uh to to complete and there's not really a villain i mean really the only 
true conflict going on within our main characters is will they won't they move over mm-hmm. to England where people won't understand them and they won't be they'll be gone from their family and this tension of uh, of leaving community and um, finding a better life but recognizing how much community is meant to you these these themes are supported and are clearly strung throughout everything but they're connected to ideas that don't end anywhere they're they're bubbles that kind of just float away so like when you're watching judy dench and uh jude law watch a christmas carol and you get these really in i, I don't even frankly i don't not, know how they did it i don't know how jude, they did it not jude law by the way i just i literally just right. went to the castle was like jude law's yeah. in this movie what? no you know you know uh, sometimes you're okay Tucker. you're okay uh I, I think that it's it's very... I personally found that to be very cool visually, but I'm in that moment watching the uh, golden snowflakes uh, go on stage and then black and white in the background. I'm like, this is cool, but but what does it what does it mean? Why do these characters need to feel this way? How is this going to tie into the very end? And I do think that you're right. They don't necessarily go anywhere. I don't think that's a terrible thing, but it left me with a few more questions and answers than I, mm. than I would have wanted. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. This maybe gets into my, is a hint into my closing thoughts, but like, usually I do watch movies like that where I'm like, oh, but what, what does it all, what does it all mean, Basil? What, what is this, what is the purpose of this? But in this, I think it's just so endearing and it, you know, it, it cuts right to the heart of the, of a viewer that I think, I just think like Kenneth Branagh like thought, like thought of the idea to do this, or maybe it was, uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Maybe it was uh, Harris Zambarlikos, uh, yeah! the cinematographer. Yes, we made him say it. Finally, Tanner was yeah. like, "I'm not gonna say it." Uh, maybe it was one of maybe it was one of those guys or anybody else on the creative team of this film. But like, they had this idea, they executed it, and it looks great. And it's just cool, a, a cool element of this film that I don't think detracts from it in any way. And of course, it would have it would have added to the film quite a bit if there was a clear intent and purpose in all these choices but i think the choices are neat filmically nonetheless yeah if i'm gonna throw my two cents into this whole discussion to me we're going meet we're going media studies reading into it. to me it is as if oh, the rest of the film is but a memory and because kenneth branagh is so attached to films and because these are such these pieces of media whether it's theater or film are such important like core memory items and they are remembered explicitly as being in color they're they are they are shown in this film as in color, whereas the rest of it isn't necessarily like a pictorial representation of what happened, but rather the memory reconstruction, and thus it is in black and white because you don't remember all of the details of what is really going on. So there is my take on the black and white and the color. Kenneth Branagh cannot remember the color of his grandmother's skin. Uh, Who's to say, really? Timo, I actually not only followed that because I, too, am a liberal arts college student, but because I think that actually makes a lot of sense. Mm. But I, 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 I think I, there's also just the pure aesthetics to it. I think the black right. and white yes. really enhances the cinematography. You can just do more creative stuff with black and white than color mm-hmm. film, I think, especially in a more domestic setting like this. But continue, mm-hmm. please. Yeah, yeah, no, I... I I agree. I just don't necessarily, for me, if we're going to think about the best pictures, I want there to be a clearer intent behind the choices being made. Sure. Yeah. That makes sense. Because I. It's a stretch, my my theory. You (laughs) know, I I think your theory does work because it actually leads into another kind of criticism I have of the film. As, As we, because we talk about there being no central villain, but there really actually is this, if we return to the Protestant Christian thing, Mm -hmm. the the friend of Paz who is kind of forcing him to like, it's kind of ambiguous as to whether he wants protection money, whether he wants Pa to also go and riot in the Christian areas and loot and, and be violent or whatever. But there is a tension there. But the tension kind of comes to a head in like what feels like a very rushed standoff in which like a perfectly thrown brick knocks the gun out of the hand yeah. at just the right second. There, there are moments yeah. here that that do feel like Kenneth Branagh in a rosy sense retelling his childhood, which does work to to the ethos of the film. But I don't know if it works to the creation of stakes for the audience because mm-hmm. I never really felt a real sense of stake in the movie, and I and I and. For a ninety-minute, it's it's fun. It it feels good to watch. The characters are witty. It's it's homely. It's all this. That's that works. But in, in the absence of what feels like more organic tensions and more organic payoffs and setups for things, it ends up feeling hollow when I'm coming out the other side of it. 
Sure. It, it, I think that actually comes from the fact that this movie is clearly through the eyes of a child and maybe, yeah. you know, this character, Buddy, doesn't see the bad in things. He he sees the joy yeah. in these scenarios and he's scared when things are, when, when shit's hitting the fan. But after that, it, it's kind of wiped away from his memory as he tries to focus on the positives. And that does inherently wipe away the stakes. Like, we ne- we're never fed, oh, hey, remember... This is happening, and Buddy is very upset about it. Like, there, there isn't uh, a direct emotional impact um, from the riots on the core characters of the film, actually. I mean, they're talking about the fact that they should move away, but emotionally, they aren't afraid because they're Protestants, so they're living in a in a Catholic area, so it, like, paints them in an in a interesting bubble, but that's never really explored other outside of... Um, uh, Buddy's connection to to his crush uh, and saying that they can still be friends even if they are of of different denominations. But so that that theme kind of doesn't go anywhere. But that's the theme that would really add stakes and tension to the film if if uh, Kenneth Branagh had wanted it to, but he didn't, so it isn't. To me, I, I think, think that the if if I may here the um the Buddy says at one point what he what he wants or why he wants to stay. And that it's it's very childlike reasons. He he has his friends and he has his crush and he want and he wants to do his moon project. And it's yeah. these very and so while I think I agree with you, Abram, that the film suffers from a lack of stakes, I think that the um Buddy's personal, like his character wants, because he is a child, don't have the necessary elements within them to create big stakes. He doesn't want things that are very, very hard to get or that will cause a lot of issues if he doesn't get them it's just he wants to be around his friends because he's a kid and he doesn't really understand the like greater implications of everything that's going on around him Hmm. see i i definitely agree on a character level but i feel like where it gets complicated is that the film does try to integrate perspectives beyond buddies to to the point where i think you could have drawn a compelling tension between why buddy wants to stay and why we can't stay that we never quite reach yeah because we have that whole subplot about the the father's taxes and his sort of like connections to these gangsters or whoever they exactly might be again it's kind of ambiguous in the film but i think that the film sometimes reaches its moments of greatest poignancy when we cut from we're playing knights and, and dragons and princesses in the streets to the camera is spinning 360 as there are religiously motivated riots happening around him. And, and I, when the film is able to straddle that line and show us through Buddy's eyes these tensions but still saddle the viewer with this understanding beyond Buddy, it get, reaches its point of maximum impact, I think. And I just don't think yeah. that it carries that through to the moments that uh, that come to a head in the third act. Or even mm. when we see him watch his mom throw plates at his, his father because he's been in, he's not been truthful about his financial situation, that never even comes to a moment of, Daddy, why was mom throwing the plates at you or something, right? Mm. I, I think we could have, we still could have built up the stakes without losing the fact that, yeah, he doesn't want to leave behind the girl that he's impressing and, and the and the places he plays soccer and everything. I think you could have had both and had a m- more nuanced and thoughtful film in the end. I think uh, what we're coming down to here is that we're, we're approaching a common quest line, which is saying, Man, they had some good ideas in here. If only this movie was longer. And I think that I think that it applies to this movie more than uh, most of that we say for say that for because this is only ninety eight minutes or something like that. This is probably and, one of the shortest movies we've watched yeah. for this entire series. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think it, it absolutely would have served the purpose of the film as well. I mean, obviously, yeah. I, as I said up top, and I want to talk about it a bit more. Um, but maybe you may, maybe this conversation is limited by the limited screen time is Jamie Dorman and, and Katrina uh, Katarina Balfe, uh, who are both fantastic and have picked up um, a handful of nominations. Uh, Katrina Balfe was obviously a popular snub for the supporting actress category. That nomination instead going to Judy Dench, uh, who I think is good, but is she's in it less. Know, <laughs> she's in it less, and uh, I think is also not as good as Balfe. Um, but yeah, I. I, I, I can see your guys' point about all these things, and I think I think a lot of what you're saying does hold water. But I think it just comes down to a thing of like I just really enjoy the moments as, as they as they roll over me as, as an audience member. I will I can see myself consistently going back to that everlasting love scene uh, where Jamie Dornan sings to, Be- to Katrina Balfe, and you know they, they, there's this very 
uh, cutely choreographed little dance number between them. Jamie Dornan actually doing in the singing in that scene, by the way. Very talented man, very handsome man. Jamie Dornan, call me. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 can, I can just... I think that Belfast is a very rewatchable film for the reasons that uh, the flaws that you guys have pointed out. I think though it is rewatchable in the sense that it doesn't weigh down this childlike wonder with sure. all of these uh, adult storylines and stuff like that. And that can be, a, and that is an issue with the film that I can recognize. But um, I think ultimately, I think I, I I prefer to look at this film more as like a, a heartwarming childhood tale that's you know occasionally backgrounded by these domestic disputes and uh, political disputes on a larger level. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point and that is obviously what kenneth Branagh agrees yes, with yeah, because that's yeah. the, the creative style this film went for mm -hmm. i think maybe the reason why i i don't push back on that completely because i think you're right but as a best picture nominee mm -hmm. i kind of feel like there is a a, a there's a, a moral conundrum quote-unquote to presenting this story that we aren't used to seeing with politics and a conflict in the background that is very interesting and could lead to some interesting political themes if pulled out greater that the thread mm. just is not pulled on which is yeah which is fine but for a best picture nominee i kind of expect there to be more conflict more conundrum going on in the background and and abram is right and i think why i i wish that that had gone been gone for more in this film is that that is at its best when the worlds are colliding when you're when you're watching that opening shot which i think is one of the best shots of this film if not of the year with a riot going on in the background and watching his face react to this and, and a mm -hmm. boom, an explosion goes up like pretty close to him, presumably an actually an actual explosion. Like mm -hmm. that hits you emotionally and it gets you interested in him. It gets you interested in the conflict. Like there are these pillars that can work together, but mm -hmm. one is dropped for the majority of the film. And that yeah. doesn't kill my enjoyment of it, but it mm -hmm. leaves me wondering where that goddamn pillar yeah. went. <laughs> it's it's it seems like uh Kenneth Branagh toyed with the idea of making a more comprehensive film, but instead in pursuit of a, a best director and perhaps best picture Oscar here, uh decided to go with a more uh safe if to use maybe to use a a uh, derogatory word a toothless sort of film that um doesn't say a lot but is a good time. I think yeah. that part of this comes down to Kenneth Brand the, the 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 politics of the film, which I looked into. I was curious because I was like, okay, the troubles, this thing going on mm -hmm. in Northern Ireland. I've heard of it. What's really going on? The so troubles. I, read, I, I I looked up a little bit about the troubles, and nice. um, that does not sound like a. He nailed it. No, he Belfast nailed accent it. He got it. I'm, it he wasn't it. an Irish accent. It was a different accent. I was trying something okay. else for no reason. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the the Protestant side and the religion sides weren't really they were just the lines that everyone decided to draw upon. But that mm. the Protestant side was the uh, was the pro England pro, you know English uh, and and United United Kingdom side the Unionists mm -hmm. and the and the Roman Catholics the Irish Catholics were the uh, the the Republicans who were the Irish uh, nationalists. Yes. And so who wanted uh, Northern Ireland to be part of Ireland, correct? And not part of the, not part of England. Yeah, correct. And so, and there's all kinds of political aspersions and this thing was like barely solved and still hangs in the balance today by thin margins. And so the, to me, the choice to really hone in on, on Buddy's character and to really just focus on him is of out of political safety. Cause I think that this actually could be a bit of a nasty topic for Brown to wade into given mm. the, the way that it all ended up being resolved back in like the early two thousands, even though this started in, you know, late sixties. So it's mm -hmm. a long conflict and it's really complicated. And I think mm -hmm. it actually plays into why the film is like it is. Yeah. Um, but I think that the conflict sort of, uh, serves itself to a, a few uh, good scenes. Um, like I said, there's there's Buddy's conflict ditch. It, it kind of also gets dropped about his sort of uh, his sort of self-searching uh, uh, insight into like what does the preacher mean? What does the minister mean when he says there's two roads and stuff like that? Um, which it, and it also serves a few comedic scenes where uh, Buddy's talking with his friend, uh, that old, that sort of like girl who seems like a, maybe a year older than him or so, where she's like, you gotta lie to him. Uh, you gotta, they're, they're expecting you to say that you're a Catholic because they mm -hmm. think that you're double-crossing him, so you yeah. have to say that you're a Protestant. And Buddy's like, but I am a Protestant. And she's like, exactly. 
That's a great, that is a great yeah. scene. Yeah. Here's the thing about the movie, I think, because Timo, I think you're right. And I feel like as we talk about this more, I feel like Belfast rings hollower and hollower for me because the way I really, I don't do this very often because I'm a very much a last minute individual, but I like to have a little mm-hmm. bit of time between when I watch a movie and then when I talk about it, mm-hmm. because I, I feel like. If only there what, was a way to do that. God. Time, we'll, time we'll management find it someday. Yeah. <laughs> When I'm watching the film for the first time, I, I, I find myself more enraptured by by the experience. And then as I leave a film, I want that long tail. I want what it mm. leaves me thinking about, right? And I, I think that Belfast has a very short tail, due in part to what you were saying, Tanner, but I think in large part because of what you were saying, Timo. Um, as someone who is foreign, uh, illiterate on foreign po- policy in, in, in the modern sense, I have no <laughs> fucking idea what happened in Ireland in the 60s. But... I don't think that it takes away from the enjoyment in the moment, Tanner, which is where I would lean towards you, mm. towards you, because I do find it to be not safe in the way that it's constructed in, in the moment, because I think that the cinematography is very irregular, and I would yep. really disagree with anyone that says that it's poor, because I think it's actually quite great. The, 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 the witticisms that we're talking about that I mentioned, that you just mentioned in the double-double-crossing mm-hmm. scene... It creates the vibe, and the vibes are good. I think this movie passes the vibe check. Oh yeah, okay, I, I, agree. It passes, I agree. I'm actually that sort I'm of kind of getting. I'm kind of getting goosebumps thinking about this movie. You can't mm. really see them. Oh, oh. No, they're, they're showing up. They're Tucker, showing up. I'm gonna, Tucker, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you know that we can rarely ever see goosebumps when you say you're no. getting goosebumps. You just have to trust me. I wouldn't hold up my arm unless I was getting goosebumps. We know, he, you know, he's really oh, feeling it when gone. he shows us in the camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and my and my pasty white fucking skin yeah. glints off the sun. <laughs> And, and I'm, I'm tempted to think about Coda, actually, at, at this point, as I'm mm. kind of starting to run, out, run out on fumes as to what I still have to say about the film. But when we think about, we, we were talking about, Timo used the term Hallmark-like for Coda. I, I think that the sort of spirit of this movie and Coda are maybe not as far divorced as they might initially appear. Mm. But I think that the ways that we evoke that sort of familial feeling and the nostalgia and the and the playfulness is done through more interesting cinematic means here Definitely. than in some of the other movies we've been watching. And I shouted it out at the beginning, but I really do love the soundtrack. And I think yeah. it adds a lot to the movie. Um, so while I have a lot to rag on the film at sort of like that subtextual level, I think that just the just the A plot, just the experience of watching it is very strong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Should um, we should I, we talk about the uh, the cinematography? I guess Tanner after yeah, you're sure. done. Uh but I was I was just gonna go on a bit of a, a trivia little thing here. Um by little when trivia it, diversion, how about when trivia Abram, tirade? When Abram said that he enjoyed the Van Morrison's uh soundtrack. I just did a quick Google. Van Morrison himself is, of course, uh, from Northern Ireland, as are a number of the cast members of this film. If I can run them down here a second. Uh, uh, Writer-director Kenneth Branagh, obviously, mm-hmm. from yep. there. I'd like you to uh, guess which member of the cast is not from Northern Ireland. Mm, oh, yeah. That'd be, mm. Mm. Uh, Jamie Dornan is from Northern Ireland. Mm. Kieran Hines. Kieran mm. Hines, apparently, and Kenneth Branagh, apparently grew up, like, uh, a few, just a mile away from one another. And both left uh, northern, or both left Northern Ireland to go to the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art, though they never met because they were a couple of years apart. Um, but also, uh, Kieran Hines, as I said, what is from Northern Ireland himself, as is Josie Walker, who plays Auntie Violet. I don't know what character that is particularly, but uh, Kenneth Branagh getting a few Northern Irish natives on board. Abram. Right. Is is Dame Judy Dench from Northern Ireland, Tanner? No. Dame Judy Dench is not from Ireland. She's as British as they come. She's as British as the Queen. She herself, of course, uh, portraying and getting the Oscar win for portraying Queen. Uh, no, no, hopefully not yeah. the win. No, no, no. She the, in Shakespeare in Love. Yes, for her for her three minutes of screen time in that yeah. godforsaken film. Uh, if I, <laughs> and if, and if I may, before we because this sort of leads into the cinematography. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll do the I'll do the noms here a second because as I said uh, multiple times now that uh, Judy Dench is nominated for best supporting actress in this. Um, Kieran Hines uh, nominated for best supporting actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kenneth Branagh for for best original screenplay. This is of course nominated for best picture. Uh, we also have a Best Sound nomination. I, I'd like to hear some Timo thoughts on that in a moment. Kenneth Branagh, nominated for Director. Uh, Van Morrison's got in there for his original song, Down to Joy. And yeah, Which that, is what the film it. opens with, by the yes. way, when it's p- panning over shots of presumably modern Modern Belfast, Ireland. yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, seven nominations for Belfast. Cinematography notably absent there. So, mm. uh, team, I'll throw it over to you with a fork in the road yourself. Would you rather Which talk about path? sound or cinematography? I'm going to actually talk about cinematography because, well, because we're going to quickly talk about sound. And I think the sound is good. I think the sound in this film mm. is, is, it serves the purpose really well. I think there's some creative moments. Um, I maybe would want to revisit it a little bit more to really think about sound because it wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't calling to me. It wasn't jumping out. But yeah. sometimes that's what you want with a film. So you'll of course have to Google if this wins uh, best sound or not because they won't be airing those at the Oscars. Now hold on, hold the, the on. goddamn me, Academy. Yeah. I I heard something different. I just want to clarify. <gasps> okay, is they are giving the awards and recording the awards and speeches. Before the Oscar ceremony oh, goes live, they I are see. editing those recorded things and putting them into the show. Oh, we will my... see who wins, and we will Ooh. see them give a speech, but it will not be live. Okay, funny well, that, funny that they uh, cut the editing award from the from the live ceremony and now and have to edit have to edit these <laughs> these bits in. Just a bit of irony there, but nah. Timo, cinematography, I believe. I think I have totally come around on the ultra crisp black and white cinematography. I think sure. it's just. Great. I think it's like there are so many shots where Kenneth Branagh just lets the camera sit in this meticulously crafted frame with all this Mm -hmm. beautiful production design. And you just have your characters sitting like in specifically the scene that I'm remembering where Moira, uh, Buddy's older friend, is like, you got to double you got to double trick them into saying and you have to really say your product. That scene is a long scene and it's just one shot. And there's all these people coming in and out. I think the film has so many just painter like painterly qualities of frames. Mm -hmm. Um, that are just enhanced so much by black and white. This film would not be as beautiful if it was in color, I think. You no. you can just do so... You can get away with so much more stuff in black and white cinematography, especially in lighting. You can make the lighting really crazy and do all kinds of fun and interesting stuff with it, uh, and which the film does, and it's greatly mm-hmm. to its benefit. I really like the cinematography, and that's a snub from the Oscars on not nominating it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, uh, I was going to go list off a couple of my thoughts on cinematography very quickly uh, because I think there's one shot in particular in this movie that like always comes to mind when I think of the movie Belfast. And that is um, when Pa, Jamie Dornan, is being uh, at first confronted by these two like loan shark type guys that we brought up a number of times. I don't know what their names are. I um, call them like racketeering kind of guys. They're yeah. kind of like little like light mobsters. Yeah, light mobsters, let's say. Uh, and they're, they're, they're the Miller Lite of mobsters. They're the pocket edition of mobsters. <laughs> it, it is a very steep, low-angle shot from behind Jamie Dornan, as, and it sort of uh, portrays him as like this column standing between these outside forces, and uh, I think I think uh, Buddy is standing right behind him. For some reason, that shot is just sticks out in my mind. I'm like, that's a crazy, interesting shot. And I think what what um, Zambarcolos and Brenna both do here in the in the directing and in the cinematography is take a film that could have been quite boring, quite honestly, if shot normally, and just like injected it in almost every sense, in almost every scene, with interestingly framed and composed shots. There's parts the framing of the, in this film is just fantastic because. I think it's in a scene where um, it's it is inside the house. It is Buddy and it, it's his mother and his mother's like on the stairs and Buddy is framed in this tiny little gap in the railing Great just shot. perfectly. And it's like he could have they could have just, you know, done back and forth cuts. They could have, you know, just filmed it top down or however. But they decided to make it a little more challenging for themselves, which I can really appreciate. And there is, of course, the numerous like long take uh, shots where it just holds on Buddy's face or even the faces of his mother or father or other characters. I think it's really inventive and really interesting and gives a little extra spice to Belfast. Yeah. Amy, have something to say about that? My, I, I think the film is beautiful. I think it is absolutely beautiful in its irregularity. I, I think the shot that I love the most is when he is... Uh, when Buddy is visiting his gramps and Pop in, in, in the hospital. Um, and he goes to hug him and the camera pulls out of the hospital and through like the frosted window. You, yeah. There's like this little bit where the frosting is is, is opaque or, or opa- not opaque. opaque. Not, not opaque. opaque. <laughs> and, and you can see them just nestled in like the, the corner of the window hugging. I, I think it I think it's 
I, I do feel like some of the cinematography, like some of the choices with color, trend in the direction of it looks cool, so we're going to do it. Yeah. But but I think that the the aesthetics are so important to the film that I can excuse some of just the showmanship of it, even if it mm-hmm. serves no direct function, because it is that irregularity that I think that makes the movie a lot more than it would have otherwise been. Yeah, it's the it's the irregularity combined with variety because there are no two shots in this film that are directly alike. I mean, you'll get close-up shots on his face, but okay, something different is going on in the background. The way that he's reacting is different, so this shot is going to be emotionally more impactful or different from another shot that is composed similarly but placed in a different situation. But for the most part, it's the framing that is just off the walls that makes this film so visually interesting. And you're right that sometimes it's like, why, okay, well, why, why is the camera placed here? This looks awesome, but why? But hey, it looks awesome. And, and frankly, I think to me, that's the most important part of keeping me on my toes, of watching a, you know, down-to-earth, very realistic human film that could have easily been shot, uh, you know, with a, with a three-camera TV setup, and it would have been like a mm-hmm. sitcom. But instead, he's placing the camera in these strange situations that allow you to, like, have the environment, like, enclosing around characters or have characters filling in little pockets of the frame yeah. so there's always like heads peeking out of corners which <laughs> serves uh, with both of those kind of things serve a thematic angle of the film which is this community of people who are so intertwined and all know each other and are bouncing off of each other's lives like non-stop they're like bouncy balls in a crate and because they're literally sealed off by this makeshift wall that's keeping them in keeping the uh the rioters out like the, the, the community, the tight-knit community, this wall that's keeping them in, that is reflected by the cinematography, including mm. so many people moving in and out of shots, and the camera always sitting in these strange, like, little eye, uh, like, uh, looking through a keyhole frames. Mm. I, I think it's really special, and one of the most striking visually films of the year, and I, I kept it throughout the movie last night just getting more and more annoyed thinking of people who think this film is visually unappealing. And I'm like, what are you smoking? And watching these shots <laughs> where this dark and light, it, like he plays so beautifully with lighting using the black and white cinematography, it absolutely justifies itself in every angle, in my opinion. Yeah. I- I agree. I want to. I you reminded Tucker when you're talking about this sort of this sort of harmony and this sort of thematic purpose. There's one other shot I wanted to call out, which I think yes. is when the two worlds we're talking about Buddy's world and his parents' world collide beautifully. It's when it's it's Christmas night and we see Buddy asleep and taking out most of the frame and he's got chocolate in his mouth. He looks like blood. Candies. Yeah, and, but and and he's passed he could have been dead. He could have been dead, but he was just <laughs> eating a little bit of Christmas chocolate. And we change focus from him sleeping to the parents talking about what are we going to do? Is our marriage even going to last this long? And then the scene ends by changing the focus back to him sleeping with chocolate on his face. It really is. I get, I do. Again, I maintain that some of it is very aesthetic, but some of it is also incredibly deliberate and does a lot for that storytelling. Mm -hmm. You're going to hate me also. Oh, sorry. You're going to hate me for saying it, but I think the cinematography in this film is what makes it cinematic. I think that makes it, it elevates the, ain't no way. Why would we hate that? There, there ain't no way that that's too Timo. I hate you for saying that. <laughs> See, I was right. Um, <laughs> God damn it. But it, it elevates our story and it elevates the the, the visual interest mm-hmm. of the film um, and makes it you know beyond just the you know, your standard fare. I think. I think the cinematography is what definitely places the film in this category of best picture contenders for me. Which why it w- makes it all the more strange that it didn't get the nomination and that. I don't even I can I don't even know what arguments the people would have for coming up with why they don't. I, I'm interested to like just yeah. look up online and see people talking about it. But I think that it's not the only thing that contributes to the feel mm-hmm. of this because I think the production design is also yeah incredibly I to, strong. I was very very good. Also. Yeah, because it, it, it's not just that the camera is in these interesting situations and constantly surprising you with its angles, but is that it's in these like richly designed, uh, uh, geometrically um, framed sets of of wallpaper that has stripes on it and uh just the the banister choices in the house Mm -hmm. and the in the um 60s radios and that little spaceman outfit he's wearing like Mm -hmm. it has this aesthetic to it that nothing else does and i think the the fact that it's presented through black and white immediately puts you in this nostalgic mindset that that abram mentioned earlier that pervades the aesthetic of this film is like you could be watching something that was bro yeah, you could be watching something that was made in the '60s because it has such accurate uh, production design and feels so so accurate. 
But then, this is one of the crispest movies I've ever mm -hmm. laid it, my it, eyes it's, upon. It's like you took the apartment cinematography, which is that really nice, crisp, modern black and white, and you yeah. made it, and you you just made it, you just made it all 8K. perfect. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It looks so good. Oh, um, yeah. So uh, surprising, surprisingly, no production design nomination at the Oscars either, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but I can feel that we're maybe winding down a little bit. But so I did want to shout out something that uh, I paid a little lip service to earlier, but uh, we we didn't pick up on as a group of of Quest reviewers, and that is um, performances from Jamie Dornan and Katrina Balfe. Uh, I think they're I think they're both fantastic, and honestly, maybe both should have gotten. Uh, the Oscar nominations as opposed to their older counterparts. Yes. Um, yes. And uh, because I, I just have a few like really powerful line deliveries in this that that um, I, I, I got some from Jamie Dornan here where I think his character arc is really like he his arc is that he realizes that he's absent from his son's lives for most of the time. And that comes to fruition in uh, the final line where he says, you raise them, not me, not us, you. And, yeah. he, th and he thanks is he that the final line wife. of the movie? No. Oh, that's his so. final. No, the, the final the, line of the movie is, is focused Judy on Dench. Judy Dench's face, saying oh, yeah. some nonsense about He's like, how you're, when you're gone, I'll miss you or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. It's really stupid um, way to end the movie. Uh, but Katrina Belf, I, I want to shout out a, a highlight of her performance. I think it's uh, the scene where she drags Buddy and Moira back to the store in the middle of a riot and what like a great scene. For, forces them to return the biological uh, uh, the laundry flakes or whatever, because that's the right thing to do and that's what she believes in and she's not going to have her children or anyone her children associate with or it, 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 Moira I, could I be believe her Moira's her cousin okay uh, is, is, is Buddy's cousin yeah regardless she's, she's, she's a member she's of the a community of Uncle uh, Uncle Frank and Aunt Violet yeah. or whatever I believe mm, regardless okay, that's she, who she regard, is yeah regardless she's, she's always a, around <laughs> she's a member of the community nonetheless so really? um and, and uh she you know she drags them back here uh, back there and she's she has this really powerful uh scene where she's like yelling at them and she you can tell that she's you know she's furious with them for for doing this but also like she's afraid and she's afraid for them and she all this sort of all this sort of pent-up uh aggression and stress that's been building over the course of the movie with all the her background stuff and uh jamie dornan's background stuff of taxes and bills and moving and stuff like that it all comes out very very well um, Katrina Belt also great in the opening scene when she sort of she grabs that trash can lid and she's beating off rocks and bricks and stuff as she's carrying uh, Buddy back to their home. Both of them very very good. Not to say that Judy Dench and Kieran Hines are ba uh, Kieran Hines are bad. I think Kieran Hines is probably better than Judy Dench. I might add he has some fun interactions with Buddy, but I think that both of them deserve the Oscar noms over the over the old timers. I, w I would say I would say two things, and I think I'm about spent on Belfast. First of all, any yeah. movie where you where we're beating off rocks is a good is a good film. Mm -hmm. Se second of all, I just was a fan of the way Tanner phrased that. Second <laughs> of all, I I really I really um, liked Pop a lot. I, yeah. I think that he's a lot of I love Judy Dench and him are fine. Yeah. But the scene where she's like, and has your heart ever stopped before? He's like, when you showed up in those like. The brown, the brown uh, legging or the brown uh, tights or whatever. Yeah, you know? I, I, I think that. And she goes, I, "Good lord." <laughs> yeah, th their their relationship feels very warm, and, mm -hmm. and the scene where she's like, "I'm taking no, I'm taking you to the hospital. And we're gonna ride the bus and all that." I th yeah, I think that there is a reason they were nominated, but I think that's just a, a more reason why the other two should have been nominated. Yeah. But I also do like when when <laughs> when Pop is explained to Buddy how they would get the rent money back. Yeah. Oh, that, that, yeah, that's fun. I also I won, and eventually, uh, and eventually, the rent man would get in with it, and we'd give him a little cut too. <laughs> I like the uh, scene where he's telling gonna, Buddy I'm how to like sort of cheese his math test, where he's like, "Oh yeah, oh, maybe she, maybe she'll give you the benefit of the doubt," and it works. <laughs> she, and it, works? it works. Yeah, it actually does that. That yeah. was a fun, uh, I, I under understated moment of payoff because mm. like I missed that the first time we saw it in theaters, and I was like, uh, the teacher's like, you know. Uh, it was a little bit weird, like you had some fudgy numbers, but... Yeah, your, your handwriting you was a little worse, but I'm willing to give you the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was the Are other we... thing someone was going to say? Oh, yeah, you had that two things, it. Abram. Oh, no, okay. my okay. first one is I thought it was funny you said beating off rocks. Oh, oh yeah, of course. That's... that's a full point in itself, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I think that bumps, right. that bumps up my Belfast rating a full point. <laughs> a full point. Beating off rocks. 
Should uh, we, can we move should, on to the score? <laughs> can we just determine how many full points and how many decimal points we are going to be giving this movie? Absolutely. All right. I've got mine punched in. I'm I'm ready to go. I'm rearing. Yeah, I'm I'm ready to go. I will say to, to Phil while Tucker gets his thing pulled up that I'm going. Oh, um, Lord, here I goes. did I did have to turn on subtitles for this film. I could not understand oh, yeah. the Irish accents very well. I don't normally yeah. watch with subtitles because I they're authentic. Timo, Timo it's authentic. because you're not listening. No, it's because the subtitles make me listen less, man. No, no, no. They say that. They say if you they if they can't oh, yeah. understand you, then you're, then they're not listening, and that's their problem. And yeah, it's your right. problem, Timo. And it is my problem, and so I did mm-hmm. the thing to solve it. All right, let's find out what this number is. Okay, I put okay. a number in. Me too. There we go. I punched it in. Oh, okay. Wow. Very, <gasps> wow, very similar. This. this is a very similar score to what was going on with Coda. Three people are together. One person is out. Who is it? I don't know. But the score is 8.1. That's going to put it at the number three spot in between The Power of the Dog and Nightmare Alley. So the point breakdown. At the top of the list, me and Tanner tied with 8.5. We both gave it the same score. Tucker came in just 0.1 below us at 8.4. And then Abram dropped it down to 7.1. So Mm -hmm. all that rounds out to 8.1. What do you guys think of that placement? A blisteringly low score from Abram again. Uh, unbelievable. <laughs> Th- thinking this is ju- uh, a good movie. How dare you? How dare just you, frankly? Just a good movie? Yeah. I think it's oh, a good man. movie. Yeah, That's what I, I think. I've, I'm all right with this going at third. Yeah, you know, say, obviously, I'd say your score reflects that, yes. I, um, I, w- I would like to describe my thoughts, if I may, with a personal anecdote here. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. All right. And next, so it my, us personally. Mm-hmm. Here, here on my college campus, there's a gazebo. And this gazebo is next to a pond. Mm-hmm. And it's I'm very picturing... Id- yes, it's very idyllic. It's got. I want you to imagine, Timo. It's, it's got nice Roman-style columns holding I'm, up I'm the top of the gazebo. That. I'm not going to do that. But here's the problem with the gazebo. Right okay, what's the, the problem? The gazebo was damaged in a windstorm when we had a crazy windstorm last semester. Hmm. And one of the pillars was damaged, and we learned that it's not a real column. Hmm. Under the facade, under this beautiful exterior of a column it's actually just it's like a four by four it's just a fucking four by four in there and i think that's the way i feel about belfast it is a beautiful movie it's a stylish film but when we get to the interior of it when i get to that subtextual level when i get to thinking about the 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 deliberate nature of the creative choices it's a two by four in there and a two by four it's sturdy but it's not the column I thought I was getting. <laughs> really, this is just a way for me to complain about my school's gazebo. Well, it's well, okay. I, I like the metaphor quite a bit, Abram. I, so like, I, I like it too. I like it too. But I, th- I also think it's apt. I mean, I think this mm-hmm. movie is 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 flashy. It's fun. It's wholesome. But it is lacking a core. That and I do think that would make this. Uh, frankly, it could even be a bet. Best picture, a real best picture contender. I know it's up mm-hmm. there, but like in our minds, it's maybe a little bit back. Uh, but I, I think this movie is special enough, and, and Kenneth Branagh is a creative enough and interesting enough director in in this case uh, for him for this film to be better. I think it could be better, and I think it would be more interesting if it was if it delved into its own material deeper. Mm-hmm. But it it sort of sideswipes that, and, and intentionally so. But it, that definitely feels like it it's lacking a core element for sure. Sure. Yeah, I, I pretty much echo that sentiment. I think it's a good time to a good fun film to watch. It's short. I think that it's, it's thought, very short. I think it's I, thought I can't provoking. That. It's thought provoking enough. It inspired me to go learn about the troubles. So there you go. I think yeah, that was I probably think, also a goal of Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, I think that the third placement that it gets is is quite all right. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have much else different to say. I I, I think it's good and uh, maybe isn't lacking a core as as much as you guys think it is. But I, I, I think it is fun and wholesome and, and just an all around very well crafted, very good time. Yeah, I think it's got at least a point one percent point one point more core than Tucker does. <laughs> I mean, as do I, as do I. Tanner, what film are we going to be talking about next time? Well, fellas, we are getting all these sort of uh, Oscar Beatty family fen- family friendly films out of the way here. But we're on a third in a row where we are doing King Richard next. Oh, King uh, Richard! Uh, I know I, that film exists. I know it's a front runner in some categories, but I forgot that movie existed, even though I've yeah, seen it. Yeah, a, a bit of a a bit of a gray a gray duck here in the Best Picture nominees King Richard is, all has a few notable uh, 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 nominations, namely Will Smith. It's a really a Will, Will Smith vehicle. Um, but uh, Tucker and I have seen this already. We saw it in theaters in November. 
about the, the King Richard, of course, for those uninitiated of us, Abram, uh, is I about know this one. Oh, he knows this one. one because I like tennis, and then I found it's not actually about. It's about Serena and Venus Williams' dad, not Serena yeah, and it, Venus Williams. Uh, like, why the fuck would I watch this? They are characters in it, and they have quite a bit of screen time. But yeah, they are. They are. Uh, they are young, young women in this. Uh, the main focus is, of course, Will Smith, the Fresh Prince himself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. After Earth. Okay. Owned okay. Will Smith. Well, there we go. Should we make an After Earth joke? Did you really do that, Abram? What? <laughs> let's move past it. <laughs> let's 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 pretend like it didn't happen and move on. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we've done it. We've placed our film. We've placed Belfast at number three on the list. We found out which film we're going to be talking about next. It's King Richard, mm-hmm. in case you weren't paying attention to what Tanner was saying. Um, I really hope you do. He often says good things. Yeah. I can't wait to watch this film. I am. I I know that uh, Will Smith is at like the total front runner for best yeah. a- best actor, and so. Yes. But I haven't heard anything else about the film. What am I in for? Who knows? I guess I will tell you what I thought about it next week. Isn't that the whole name of the game? That's the Why name not? of the game. No, the name of the game is Quest for the Bestest. That's the name right. of the game is Tennis. I like Abrams' version. The name of the game is Quest for the Bestest. We're backlog boys. Keep it here on Backlog Banter for all kinds of awesome stuff. And we will see you in the next episode. Peace.